Well, dear friends, I'd like to turn back this evening to Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, and these questions which the Lord Jesus Christ uh, puts to us uh, from verse 36 concerning our priceless soul. Verse 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I remember some years ago seeing a debt clock I think it was the dollar debt, the US government debt, and every day this number was increasing and increasing at such a rapid pace. The debt of the United States government. And then recently this week we've had an announcement saying the national debt of this country, vast sums of money, billions and billions, of pounds, unimaginable sums of debt. Well, we're thinking tonight of great wealth or great debt. And we're thinking in terms of the wealth of our soul or the debt that it owes to God. Christ is speaking so plainly here concerning the great thing, the one thing that is needful for us each here tonight is concerning our soul. What shall it profit? What is the point of it? If you can be the richest man in the world and possess houses and yachts and lands and you can be so famous and yet lose your soul. Your soul. What is your soul? Christ tells us about something so precious. More precious, he says, than the whole world. Now you sometimes see those pictures. People have taken them from space of the beautiful blue jewel of the earth. The whole world hanging there in space. So precious to God. Think of the vastness of the universe and just one tiny world. And yet... There's something more precious than the whole world. Your soul. And that's what I want to think about tonight. Christ says, it is priceless. No one should put a price on their soul. And maybe you have put a price on it. And you've lived your life to gain what you can of pleasure. You've entered into 
lusts to gain as much pleasure from them as you can. You've entered into whatever it might be, the academic world, educational achievements, entertainments. You've tried to gain what you can from them. But compared to the value, friends, of your soul, How vast is that difference? So tonight, we must notice, first of all, we have a soul undying. So many people in the recent crisis, they were so distracted, weren't they? They were still going out shopping and doing as much entertainment as they could, but then all of a sudden... They were curtailed. They were stuck at home. They were trying to find other things to occupy themselves, but they weren't thinking about their soul. The hereafter. How many were brought face to face with death. Loved ones lost. And yet they've taken up with the body. It takes up so much of our time. What clothes we will wear. What food we will eat. What we will drink. These are the questions, aren't they, that occupy our mind so often. But the body is only part of what makes us human. We have a soul. Someone said to a preacher once, he said, you tell me I've got a soul, but I can't touch it. I can't smell it. I can't see it. How do you explain that I've got a soul? The preacher said, you can feel it. You can know, perhaps at a time when something goes wrong, when there is a tragedy, when death comes in the family, or trouble comes, you're brought face to face, your world is shaken, and then you feel it in your heart. You have a soul. Something undying. Our conscience speaks perhaps loudly when we sin. A great disappointment comes and suddenly we feel vulnerable and alone. The universe, even the best telescopes, cannot see every star. We no doubt that there is much, much more beyond And so it is when we think of our soul and eternity. Friends, there is much, much more beyond this world, this life. The here and the now. Here we are, souls, before a holy God tonight. And he knows and he has given us in the word of God a hint of that world which is beyond. And he's given us something of the value of that world, the glory of that world, the wonder. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, the scripture says, what God has prepared for them that love him. We have a soul and there is something great truly great, beyond the worlds of profit and pleasure 
and even our life here is not the end. And so this is the backdrop to this great warning of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a soul, and he knows something of the vastness of it, the glory, the nobility of it, the purpose of God in creating us in his image, that we might know him. And this is the second thought tonight, the value of our soul. It is our greatest treasure. Christ puts it like this in verse 37. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's almost a question that is too horrifying for Christ to answer. Would a man exchange his soul for anything? It's so valuable. It's so important. But people sell their souls for profit here, for pleasure here, for gain here. They don't know the value of their soul. There was an old saying in Rome, everything in Rome has a price. But buy anything in Rome. You can go to some places today and you can buy anything. You can go to places like Las Vegas. And in Las Vegas they say, whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. In other words, you can live, live the high life in Las Vegas. And when you leave Las Vegas, you can leave it all behind in the sense that anything that you've done wrong, any evil that you've done can be left behind. It's a lie, isn't it? Because we carry with us a conscience within our soul. And it will prompt us, it will speak to us, it will remind us of past sins. Perhaps even to the very end of our life. Even on our deathbed we may remember the sins of our past. Because we have this soul, the value of the soul. Well, suddenly, we become aware of it. We think recently, just this past week, of these people unfortunately kept up, stuck on that uh, high wire as it was going across the canyon in Pakistan. And there they were stuck for hours. And so much effort was put in. The helicopters come. The zip wires had to be there to save life. The value of one life or eight lives, was it, was so great. But Christ says the value of our soul, it will outlast the sun and the moon and the stars. Value of your soul. Have you thought about it? Have there been moments in your life, perhaps recently, where you realize there is an eternal dimension to your being and that you're created in God's image for his glory? 
You have a soul, a precious soul. And that soul was designed to worship him. It was designed to love him, to know him, to grasp something of the glory and majesty of his person and to enter into relationship with him, to have an understanding and affection for him because you recognize in him hallmarks within your soul that he has placed there as echoes of his majesty and the glorious nature of his being. That is why our soul is so precious. Because God has given it to us. And Christ cannot imagine us exchanging our soul for something here that we can enjoy for a season, for a few months, for a few years. To give your soul away is unimaginable. But... It can be done. And that's the third thing that we notice here tonight. The end of verse 36. He says, Lose his own soul. It's possible. Not everyone goes to heaven. Not everyone will go to glory. Recently, just this last week or so, with this man, Progosian, shot down, they think, or at least some explosion. There is his grand private jet, and it became his graveyard. A man who lived such an evil life, and now suddenly taken. Can, he, can we lose our soul? Yes, we can. Christ tells us, doesn't he, plainly, there are just two ways. One leads to heaven. The other leads to hell. And how awful to lose your soul. Can you think for a moment as your soul passes from this world, there is that awesome moment when we die. And Christ says, we will either go into the presence of him in glory or into hell. To lose your soul what would it be like to realize that you've got a lost soul? That you can never do anything to change the judgment of God, the condemnation of God upon your soul? Can you not see something of the urgency of the importance of dealing with this question tonight? What about my soul? The devil is real, you see. He's real. He's real as the person sitting next to you. He is tempting you to lose your soul. Hell is a real place. It's real. 
It has chambers, it has fires, it has fallen angels, it has chains, it has flames, it has pain, it has suffering, it's real. The psalmist says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. In 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle says, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And it's important that we are warned here tonight that Christ was not exaggerating. The danger is real. We can lose our soul. What does it mean? It means to harm your soul, to injure your soul without any remedy, without any cure. How awful. Some destructive force take hold upon your soul. What is that force? It's sin. A breaking of God's law. And every one of us have broken God's law. We have the tattoos, if we might put it like that, of our sins upon, indelibly marked upon our soul. The reality, as it struck us, the stain of our pride, when we think that we can please God, when we think that we're better than we really are, and that God doesn't see what we do in secret. He knows what you are in secret. He sees what you do. He knows the real you. And our souls are disfigured by sin and defiled in the sight of God. They are a tragic sight, we might say, in the eyes of God as he looks upon your soul in its natural state of sinful rebellion against God. And it is an awful sight. And not one of those sins can be removed. This is biblical, isn't it? We cannot pay the price for one sin, and we can certainly not pay the price of our brother's sins. That's what we read there in Psalm 49. No one can redeem his brother. No one can pay the price for him. We cannot pay the price of our sin. We can lose our soul by poisoning it with false religion that will soothe your conscience for a time. And there are many who have gone down this path. They're, they're looking at different religions. And there are many people you can meet. You speak to people on the street. They'll say to you, well, I'm interested in comparative religions. I want to learn about different religions. And in a sense, they're trying to be proud because they're saying, well, I'm a very open person. You can persuade me. I can be persuaded. The fact is their heart's not persuaded. They cannot make up their minds. They're not persuaded one way or the other about any religion. They just want to give the impression that they're seeking something. We can poison our soul by listening to false teachers. 
by trusting our good works and all of these things, they lower the standard needed to be saved. If you are to get to heaven, you will not decide the way. God chooses the way that you will be saved. We can poison our soul with false religion. We can waste it away. We can fritter our life away on frivolous things. We can think about the foolish things of the world and the infinite scroll of the latest social media. What are other people doing? And we don't seek the Lord. We don't turn to him. We might quietly say to ourselves, well, one day, once I've gone through a little more scrolling and lived my life a little more, then perhaps one day I'll seek God. We can lose, waste the precious gift of time. We all say time is precious, don't we? We have no conception of the preciousness of time. It is God's gift to you, and he will bring you to account for every second of your time that he gave you. The day of your birth appointed. The day of your death appointed by God and every moment in between and we can waste it we can lose our soul and be swept into eternity to face him we notice what it says here in verse 34 at the end whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. In other words, if you are just going to live for the here and now, expect to lose your soul. But if you're willing to turn your back upon this world and take up the cross, then you can save your life. The word really means to gain it. You'll gain life here and in the world to come. But we can also destroy our soul by blatant sin. No, some people say, well, the way to God, it's like a mountain. You can go up to God any way up the mountain, any path you choose, doesn't matter what religion you take. All of these paths lead to God. And it doesn't matter which way. The word of God teaches us that God must come down to save us. In the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know, hell has many entrances but no exits. And when Christ speaks here of losing our soul, the picture, he's, he's so horrified at the thought. 
that someone could sink down to hell. And there are many, many paths that go to hell. You remember Bunyan, and I have to mention Bunyan here in Bedford. And uh, you remember he saw in the vision that he wrote there in Pilgrim's Progress, as Pilgrim came across the river, he saw a way that led down to hell from the very gate of heaven. Now, I know that's perhaps difficult for us to grasp this evening. What it's precisely teaching us is this, really, very simply, that there are so many paths to hell. We can lose our soul. And I don't want you to go away tonight without asking that question. Am I losing my soul? Wide is the gate. Broad is the way, Jesus said, that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in there. And perhaps tonight we have to be honest and say maybe there are some here who are in that road tonight. It's a horrifying thought. Few, he says, there be that find the way to life. The value of our soul, it can only ever be fully grasped from heaven, from the presence of Christ, from the glory, the majesty of that holy place where you have the angels worshipping day and night, crying out before God, holy, 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 where you have glorious things happening all around to captivate and rejoice the heart of everyone that is present. To be with Christ, the apostle said, was to be far better. In fact, Bunyan wrote a book. That probably won't surprise you, but it was titled like this, The Greatness of the Soul and the Unspeakableness of Its Loss. What a title. To lose your soul. Unspeakable. In other words, you just don't want to ever think such a thing could happen. So awful. And this is what he said in it about those in hell. These cry, alas, but all in vain they stick fast in the mire they would be rid of present pain, yet set themselves on fire. Darkness is their perplexity, yet do they hate the light. They are all dead, yet live they do yet neither live nor die. They die to weep and live to woe. This is their misery. What a graphic picture. But it's no more graphic than Christ gave us concerning hell. To lose your soul is an awful thing. We brought nothing into the world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. But what God has given we can lose. What shall it profit a man 
if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Well, we must hasten on tonight in closing and think about the fact that a soul may be saved. How can it be done? A soul stained with sin, guilty before a holy God, cannot enter into the presence of God, but rather is under his condemnation and judgment. It can only be done by the priceless death of another, of another. A sacrifice of whose worth is infinite in value. And this is what Christ did upon the cross. He speaks of the gospel. He says here, what shall a man give in, ex there it is in verse 35, rather, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels. You see, he's talking about the good news. What is the good news? That at the cross, the Lamb of God, God's own way of salvation, was put to death, was slain, came under the condemnation of mankind and was taken by sinful hands and nailed to the cross and in agony and suffering he atoned, he put away, he made a covering for the sin of every soul that will trust in him. Christ has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. This is the Bible's amazing gospel. It's amazing good news. You see, the reason why I can say tonight with a sense of assurance and joy that my soul, sinner as I was, wretched as I was, undone as I was, living away from the Lord. But now I can say, I've been washed. My soul has been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been bought with a price. He loved me, Paul said of Christ, and gave himself for me. That's the priceless death of the cross of Calvary. When you think about Calvary, you can think, can't you, the preciousness of your soul and then the preciousness of the blood that was shed for your soul. That's the message of the gospel. We look to Christ. We say, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm undone. I cannot be saved. I fear death. I'm terrified of death. I know I deserve the judgment of God. Where can I run to? Where can we go, friends, but to Christ? Questions. Jesus asked the question, didn't he, earlier on in this chapter? 
Who do men say that I am? What do you think of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? And you see something of the importance that you run to him, flee to him. You don't know, you're not promised tomorrow. You think of that dreadful moment of death without Christ. To die without Christ is to die in your sins. But to have Christ at the hour of death is great gain. Gain not only forgiveness and peace with God, but a new life, eternal life, life upon life, abundant life. In this world, the joy of sins forgiven, and in the world to come. Brought home to God, brought near to God. These are all ways of describing what it means to be forgiven. Our souls washed and purified, our sins taken away. And behind the great curtain of death, waiting a new world with a glorious new life with Christ. The precious Saviour shed his blood for precious souls. Oh, friend, tonight, ask the question that Christ has given you. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Do not neglect your soul. Do not forget the one thing needful. Don't forget your everlasting soul, the life to come. But believe in Christ and deny yourself. Turn from your sins, your old ways, your old habits and your old life. All the shame of it is mentioned here in verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Just before lockdown, and there was a financial turmoil, I visited a wealth management company as part of my work. We were going to see this man, the chief executive, who managed 750 million pounds of funds. Your pastor will know something of what I'm talking about. What a responsibility! The wealth of all of these rich people in his hands. And there was the turmoil and the great losses and everything was turning red. The morning that we entered his office, he was smiling. We thought to ourselves, because we were quite fearful, what would he be like? It's a terrible moment, surely, of loss. But no, he'd withdrawn all the funds and... Uh, liquefied them, as they say, turned them into cash and put it into the various bank accounts and got everything safe from that turmoil. You could trust such a man, couldn't you? With your wealth, 
here on earth. But who will you trust for your soul but Christ? Well, let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank Thee for giving us these warnings. We realize that they are so serious. Oh, touch our hearts. Keep that wicked one from taking and snatching away these thoughts concerning our soul and help us to take up our cross and flee to Christ and turn to him for salvation and that we might be ready to die and ready to enter eternity. We ask it for his glory.